Welcome each one this morning uh, to our adult Sunday school and trusting the Lord's blessing and presence with us as we continue in our studies regarding baptism and membership. We're going to seek the Lord in prayer and then we'll turn uh, to his word for a moment. Let us pray. Our eternal God and Father in heaven, we rejoice this morning in this a new day in which to praise thee we thank thee for thy mercies and thy compassions that feel not we rejoice that they are new every morning and father as we come to thy house today may we rejoice in new blessings may we rejoice in new mercies and may we know and experience the outpouring of thy blessing and thy love toward us this day we do remember the Sunday school meeting downstairs. We pray for thy blessing upon the boys and girls. We pray that thou would bless the teachers also. And as they are instructed in the way of God, uh, we pray that uh, those children would know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, bless us here. Instruct us in thy ways. Help us to understand more uh, of uh, how thou didst bring us as a, a church and a denomination into existence. And may we rejoice in thy mercies, thy graces over the years. And may that encourage us to pray for the future. That thou would bless and that as thy truth goes forth uh, from this place, Lord's Day by Lord's Day, that we would enjoy uh, the outpouring of thy spirit. Father, we remember also the radio broadcast that is currently uh, being broadcast live, we pray that uh, thou would use this means uh, for the building of thy church, for the extension of thy kingdom, and to glorify thy name. Father, bless us here, and do our hearts good, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Going to turn in the word of God to the Psalm 124. Uh, the Psalm 124. Uh, this psalm would often be sung at special occasions, various anniversaries, etc., uh, in free Presbyterian circles. Of course, it's sung many other times as well, not just those occasions, uh, but on certain occasions, uh, we often come to this psalm and we remember uh, what the Lord has done for us. The Psalm 124, a song of degrees of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick, when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord, who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his precious word this morning. 
So in our baptism and membership course, we come to week number five uh, that has been entitled uh, The History and Purpose of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, or the FPCNA. And so how did our denomination come into being? Uh, we could spend much time uh, looking at all the details. Uh, some of it can be quite complex and, of course, interwoven into that. Uh, there are stories and accounts and records of how God blessed in particular places, how God's people uh, took a stand for the gospel and for gospel truth, and how many in religious circles and many in government circles, uh, not only in Northern Ireland, uh, but here in Canada, thinking of the history of our church in Toronto, how they try to oppose uh, a free Presbyterian witness. And so we haven't got time to go into all those details, uh, but we will give a summary of how we came into being. And our denomination was formed as a denomination in the year 2005. Previously, it was part of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster. And so our history concerns the birth of that denomination in Northern Ireland in the year 1951. But we go beyond that as well. And Presbyterianism first came to the Irish province of Ulster during what is called the Ulster Plantation uh, during the 1600s. Many Scottish Presbyterians left the homeland for new life in Ireland. And not only did they bring themselves, they brought their talents and abilities, they brought their families, but they also brought their Presbyterian faith with them. And so uh, the church in Scotland uh, sent over ministers uh, to preach the word of God. In the early 1800s, Irish Presbyterianism uh, was plagued by the heresy of Arianism. A Presbyterian minister, Dr. Henry Cook, was used by God as the instrument to stand firm against this heresy. Arianism taught that the Lord Jesus Christ was not the incarnate Son of God, but rather a created being. And they denied his eternal Godhead. And Cook's theological fight against Arianism led to Irish Presbyterian ministers upon ordination signing that the Westminster Confession of Faith was a statement and representation of what they believe as Christians and as pastors and that they would teach those truths. It also led to the expulsion of Aryan ministers and congregations. Those churches formed the non-subscribing Presbyterian Church and are today still in existence. They exist as a liberal church that embraces modern social agendas. So there's a bit of history there, and again, complex history. I remember at college we had to read a book on Dr. Henry Cook, 500 pages for an exam in June, and we only got the book around March, April time, and we had to read 500 pages, summarize 500 pages for that exam. It was a lot of work, uh, but it was great to read of that history, and to read a book that otherwise I may not have read in college due to its size and all of the issues involved. And Cook was an intellectual, he was a theologian, he was a great preacher, and he was mightily used of God. But moving forward several decades, in 1859 there was the commencement of what is known as the Ulster Revival. A great move of God started in Kells, County Antrim, near Ballymena. It spread across the entire province. Villages and towns were changed as lives were transformed by the power of the gospel. And this revival influenced the religious scene then in Ulster 
into the 20th century. Moving into the 20th century, the 1920s, was a Presbyterian minister by the name of J.E. Davy. He was accused by his ministerial students of teaching error and heresy concerning the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Davy was placed on trial by the highest court of the church and was found not guilty of teaching heresy. I have a photocopy of a very, very old book about Davy, about his teachings, one of the books at that time that was published refuting what he taught and quoting what he taught. Uh, but it is currently in Northern Ireland. I don't have it here uh, to look into. Uh, but many of his statements uh, would raise an eyebrow if I preached them here and said that this is what I believed. There would be problems. And this man was found not guilty of teaching heresy. That doesn't mean he wasn't guilty. That means that the General Assembly of the Church found him not guilty. And several ministers and congregations disapproved of this. They separated from the Irish Presbyterian Church and they formed the Irish Evangelical Church, known today as the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. The Evangelical Presbyterian Church, that should be in the notes. So this new and small denomination pledged to hold fast the Reformed faith. Another split occurred during this time. Several members left the Ravenhill Presbyterian Church in Belfast. They formed the independent Ravenhill Mission Church. A building was erected a short distance from the former church. And I want you to understand something here. Heresy was dealt with in the days of Henry Cook. God's blessed in the 1859 revival. And now heresy begins to appear again. And liberalism. And men who were occupying offices within the Church of Christ who are not saved. That is why we, uh, we hold to a saved membership. Those who are in membership, who know the Lord and love the Lord, as a result, our elders, our deacons, our ministers, our Sunday school teachers, everyone who labors for the gospel here knows Christ as their Savior. But that was not the case. The Irish Presbyterian Church, uh, there were many good men, of course, but there were also many men who were not so good. But the majority refused to take a stand, and this continued. And one of the feelings is, too, that, well, it's their church. They attended this church, this denomination, not for five years or ten years. Some of you may be able to look back and say, well, I've attended this church five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years. But back then, families could look back and say, we've attended this church, this witness, this denomination for 200 years and more. And their faith and their religious life was very much integrated into this denomination. They did not want to take a stand against it. In 1946, the Ravenhill Mission Church called a young 20-year-old preacher to be their new pastor. His name was Ian Peasley. He soon received a reputation as a bold, faithful, and effective gospel preacher. The account is told of how men exited the pub opposite his church. They placed the bottles outside on the windowsill. They attended the gospel meeting. And they came out converted. They left their bottles behind. He was soon asked to take gospel missions all over the country. And a group of Presbyterian elders asked Aim Paisley to conduct a gospel mission in the town of Cross Gore in February 1951. On St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March, 
that your new biblical witness was born as a result of the high-handed actions of the Presbytery of Dan, the Irish Presbyterian Church. There were churches in every town, every village across Ulster. And therefore, there were different presbyteries. We have one presbytery across this continent. But they had different presbyteries in counties and areas that came together as synods and as the General Assembly once per year. And so the presbytery, the next court up from the local court, the elders, the session, they barred these men from using their church hall for this gospel witness. Ian Paisley had been critical of developments within the Irish Presbyterian Church. And so they said, well, he's not preaching here. These elders refused to agree. They were suspended. And these events took place less than 24 hours before the mission was due to commence. And after the mission, these men could not go back to their church without denying or compromising the gospel. And so a new Presbyterian denomination was established for the truth of the gospel, for the preaching of the word of God. The mission was held in another location and was blessed of God in the salvation of 94 precious souls. One of those uh, being my grandmother who professed faith in Christ at that mission. I think uh, she was around 15, coming 16 uh, years of age at that point in time. Dr. Paisley said many years ago, my memory of those meetings was not the packed house that we had overflowing each evening, uh, the great spirit of blessing and the joy of leading precious souls to Christ, but it was off the continued sessions of prayer, one on Tuesday night and one on Friday night when we went on past midnight and past two o'clock in earnest intercessions before the Lord. And we find that at this time there was much prayer. Some men in Dr. Paisley's church, back before these events, they spent all night in prayer, praying for God's blessing. It's believed that that prayer meeting it was used by God uh, to uh, bless uh, these evangelistic labors. And our denomination is a denomination that was born in prayer. Prayer is important. That is why we pray. We have a ministry of prayer. We have prayer meetings uh, because we believe in the importance of praying. And when we think of baptism and membership, and thinking of membership in particular, it is important for the members of our congregation to attend the place of prayer. To pray unto God. Many say that the prayer meeting is the engine room of the church. It's where we do business with God. And uh, that is certainly true. It is an important place. And so this new denomination that grew to four churches in a few short months. There are now over 60 churches in the British Isles. Mission works in Kenya, Uganda, Spain. Assisted denomination in Nepal. And churches in Australia. The Free Presbyterian Church, what does that name free mean? I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 to 18. The Lord says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters with the Lord Almighty. The Word of God teaches us to not walk in the ways of the world, to not preach doctrine that is false, to walk in the truth, to walk in the light, and here specifically to separate 
from the unclean thing to separate from those who are not preaching the truth. And that is one of the important emphasis that we have as a denomination to separate ourselves from those who do not hold the fundamentals of the faith, those who err on doctrine, those who do not preach the full gospel of Christ. And so therefore, as we practice uh, the doctrine of separation, uh, we separate ourselves from the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic priest uh, won't be in this church taking part. The Pope, if he ever were to come to Vancouver, is not going to have an invitation to come here to speak uh, because uh, we disagree with his doctrine. We believe that doctrine not to be found in the Word of God. We can think of those who do not preach the gospel. They preach a prosperity gospel. Benny Hinn will not be here. Joel Osteen will not be here because they have moved away from the truth of Scripture in many things that they teach and believe. Those who desire to work with such churches will not be found here fellowshipping with us. They can come and sit and listen to the service, but they will not be leading that service. And from its inception, the Free Presbyterian Church has been Protestant in its convictions, and that name free then, it indicates that we are free, we are separated from churches that deny the fundamental truths of the gospel of Christ. And so we are Presbyterian in government, reformed in theology, separatist, that is anti-ecumenical, the term ecumenical ecumenism, and being those links within churches and working together. We can think of the World Council of Churches that seek to uh, bring churches together and uh, bring them into fellowship with the Roman Catholic Church as well. Uh, we, from the very commencement of our existence, stood against that and protested against that. And there's a statement here from our book of church order. I won't read it all out, uh, but it's there for you to read in your own time. Uh, but we are separate, and we need to understand that as a denomination. That is one of the things that we have held to, that we have practiced, that we have preached throughout the years. And of course, when we think of the Irish Presbyterian Church, the church we originally broke away from, those walls of separation were being broken down. Instead of separating from those who did not preach the truth, instead of separating from denominations that did not preach the true gospel of Christ, they broke down the walls and they fellowshiped. And so we stand apart from that. And we're to pray for this witness. We're to pray for that separated stand. It is so easy, so easy, and for that stand to weaken and to have those in fellowship with us taking part in our services who may not see things the same way. And it is a stand that needs discernment. And so it is a stand that must be immersed in much prayer. But notice here the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We're not Irish. We're not British. I am. Uh, but you're not. And so where does that come in? How do we look back at our history then prior uh, to 2005 the history of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster is our history their stand was our stand and we have taken that stand we have taken those doctrines 
and we have went in our own direction in the sense of being a separate denomination here on this continent. And of course, Northern Ireland is very different than Canada. It's similar to Vancouver in many ways because there's rain. Uh, the spiritual climate uh, can be very similar uh, with those who are very much opposed to the gospel. Uh, but culture and how things are done can be very, very different. And of course, as a denomination here in this continent, uh, we uh, have the freedom then to uh, do things in line with our culture, our laws, and uh, we have the freedom for that. Northern Ireland is very different in many ways. In 1976, the Free Presbyterian Church commenced its witness in North America, Toronto, and then Greenville, South Carolina, then Newtown Square in Pennsylvania. And in each of those places, there was a congregation of believers who wished to be associated with the Free Presbyterian Church and with their stand for Christ. And they petitioned the presbytery in Ulster at that time to be taken under its care. In 1982, uh, there was a branch of the Theological Seminary set up in uh, Greenville for the training of uh, young men who felt called to the Free Presbyterian Ministry. They didn't need to go to Northern Ireland. They could train here in North America. And also, uh, there was a commission of the presbytery, a committee really, charged with the oversight and development of the work here in North America. Uh, they did not have uh, their own power, uh, but they were under the oversight of the presbytery. And this was seen as a temporary arrangement. And there was a move uh, then made at the turn of the century uh, to form a separate presbytery. And on the 18th of May 2005, that presbytery met for the first time in Toronto. We now have mission works and churches in Liberia, Jamaica, the Czech Republic, South Korea, the Dominican Republic. And we uh, have, I don't see Mexico there, Mexico should be there too. We have 12 churches in the United States, nine churches in Canada. And here in BC, our denomination has churches here in Cloverdale, in Penticton, in Prince George, and the Mission Church uh, from Prince George in Williams Lake. So there is this work that God has set up, that God has established, and we as members are to support and pray for that work. The governing documents at the first meeting in Toronto on the 18th of May 2005, the Presbytery of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America unanimously decided to take the following actions in the adoption of its substandards. And so it adopted the Book of Church Order, and the Book of Church Order is uh, basically a manual uh, that uh, teaches or instructs us how to, how to run the church. If we were to have a meeting for the election of a deacon or an elder or a minister, how do we do that? Well, the Book of Church Order tells us how to do that. The presbytery has decided this is how it should be done and we are to follow uh, those procedures in calling a meeting, in electing uh, that particular man uh, to office. And of course, the Book of Order instructs us of our relationship to the presbytery. It uh, instructs us of our responsibilities to the presbytery. If we decided we want to be an independent church, we're not going to be part of this denomination anymore, then there are procedures that have been set out uh, to do that. Uh, but every aspect, as it were, 
of the life of the church and the duties of the church are seen in some particular form in the book of order. There's direction in worship as well, how we should worship, how we should come together and uh, worship the God of heaven. And in regard to our substandards then, the word of God being the supreme standard, the substandards are the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, the American Confession of 1788 to be specific, and the larger and shorter catechisms uh, that agree with the distinctive positions of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster, which is our parent body. And there are three uh, particular points there. Uh, we have made, mentioned this before in baptism. Uh, we have amended the confession and added some additional information regarding baptism. Uh, there's a chapter on the Holy Spirit as well. And so our confession of faith is not exactly the American confession of 1788. It has been altered in some ways. And these are the ways in which it has been altered. Not to change a truth, not to change a fundamental doctrine, uh, but rather to give a little bit of clarity and explanation regarding baptism, uh, regarding uh, the Holy Spirit, amongst other things as well. And at the same presbytery meeting, then, the purpose of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America was established. Every church should have a purpose. What is the purpose of the church? Well, firstly, the purpose of every church is to glorify God in the trinity of his sacred persons according to the scriptures. Thinking of the shorter catechism, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And as the church of Christ, we are to glorify God. So in all that we do, all that we preach, in all our worship, in all our evangelism, in all our teaching, it should be directed to the glory of God. Secondly, point B, our purpose is to declare the whole counsel of God and remain faithful to his inspired and infallible word, the Bible, with particular emphasis on the following truths. And there's a list of great truths here. The depravity, the total depravity of man has fallen in Adam. Here we have man's sin nature. These are the truths we're to preach Man is totally depraved. There is no good in him. And that is where we start. There is no good in man. That's foundational. God created man. Man fell into sin. Man is totally depraved. Man cannot help himself. Man cannot save himself. Man needs God. Man needs God. Then we have the threefold function of the law. The law is a mirror to expose and condemn sin. And... Uh, we can see the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are taught to convict of sin and to show us that we are sinners. The law is a curb to restrain the unconverted and it is a rule of life for the regenerate. So in other words, when we are saved, we see, as it were, the law of God. The law of God convicts us of sin. How do you know you're a sinner? How do you know you need Christ? Well, it's the law of God. The law of God shows you you've sinned against him. You've lied. You've put other gods before the God of heaven. You've broken the Sabbath day. Uh, you've done other things. The law shows you that. And when you're saved, what does that law then do? It is that 
line as it were, that path that we are to walk. It is a rule of life that we live in obedience to the God of heaven. It's a rule of life for the converted. And therefore we think of the Sabbath day as a believer. We no longer break it. We love it. We come to the house of God. We worship him. We don't seek to break that day and to take our attention and focus off the Lord by looking at other things. Many churches today teach that we are no longer under the law but under grace. So therefore we can set the law aside. That leads to living worldly in our generation. To sinful living. Because the law of God is to be our guide. It points us to Christ for salvation because it shows us our sin. But it is that guide to us. And of course it is that curb to restrain the unconverted as well. We can see the limitations of the law in that it can neither affect uh, justification in a saved person or sanctification in an unsaved person or sanctification in a saved person. So in other words, the law cannot save. You, keep, you cannot keep the law perfectly. It cannot save. The sole mediation and saving merits of the Lord Jesus Christ and his atoning death, his bodily resurrection, his ascension into heaven to be the advocate and the great high priest of his people. Salvation is found in Christ alone and you'll find that emphasis here within this denomination. And of course when we think of the denomination you could go into the Prince George congregation you could leave right now I don't think you'll make it in time uh, but if you went to Prince George this morning and listened to our brother the Reverend Simpson preach you're going to find something interesting. He's not going to preach something entirely different. He's not going to stand up and start speaking in tongues. He's not going to take the doctrine of salvation and tell you you can be saved through works to take some extremes. He's going to preach the same doctrine with the same emphasis that you have here, albeit differently and in his style, and because every man is different, but the same emphasis, the same doctrine that is believed, the same emphasis on these truths, the same need to apply these truths, it will be found there. The same way of worship, the same hymnals, the same version of scripture. It's a sister church. It's, and going into that church, you can rest assured that it's going to be almost the same as here. With the variations for it being a different place and a different pastor. The same truths are believed. You could go to Toronto. You could go to our works. They're in Mexico. And while there's a different language, it's the same truth that is believed. The same doctrine set forth. You go to Northern Ireland. And again, they may do things a little differently in some things. They may do things the same in some ways. But it's still the same truth believed. The same version of scripture used. The same emphasis on all these important fundamental truths. And so as local churches that believe all these things, we come together as a Presbyterian denomination. And you can rest assured that these things are the same. If a minister was to start moving against this and to preach against this and to take these truths and these doctrines and say, well, that's not true and this isn't true, and then it is up to the elders, it is up to the presbytery ultimately to 
sort out what is actually happening. Because that goes against where we stand in our purpose as a denomination. And so point C, our purpose is to labor for the salvation of the lost by the preaching of the gospel of Christ and calling them to repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're an evangelistic church. That means we preach the gospel. We seek to reach out with the lost. We have a radio broadcast. Why? Because we're an evangelistic church. We're reaching out with the word of God. And if you're seeking a church, then make it an evangelistic church, a church that cares about souls, a church that obeys the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Christ. Point E, to seek the edification of Christians by teaching them the scriptures and by pointing them continually to the all-sufficient Christ, the author and finisher of that faith. The edification, the building up of Christians, teaching Christians what they believe, what the scriptures teach, and pointing them and I love the way that this is put. So simple, so deep, so true as well. Simple and deep may seem like complete opposites, but it's simply put. And when you look at it, there's a great depth here too, because Christ is all sufficient. We point believers, we point sinners, we point the believer to the all-sufficient Christ. The Christ that can meet their need. The Christ that can give them strength. The Christ that can help them. We're a denomination that is Christ-centered. E, to oppose all expressions of human self-righteousness and to give prominence to the glorious truth of justification by faith in the merits of Christ's righteousness, which God freely imputes to his people through faith alone. And so here we have the doctrine of salvation, justification by faith. We cannot save ourselves. We do not believe in self-righteousness. We preach Christ. That is our purpose, to preach justification by faith alone. That great Reformation truth that Luther preached, and Calvin preached, and others preached, and others gave their lives for, that is our purpose. Point F, to promote and participate in worldwide evangelism through biblically sound and separated mission activity. And of course, the role of the church is not just limited to Cloverdale in regard to ourselves, but we play a part in evangelism throughout the world, in Mexico, in Jamaica, in Liberia, through our denomination. And that would be very difficult for us to attain to as one little church. But as part of a denomination, our resources are brought together and we work together in worldwide evangelism through biblically sound and separated mission activity. And our principles of separation apply to mission activity. There are many missionary organizations that are separate and independent, and they have to appeal to lots of different churches in order to have their needs supplied. We don't do that. We have a mission work that is under our denomination, whose workers believe the same that we do. And yes, we may from time to time support other organizations depending on how sound and separated they may be. But we have our own work to focus on. And I am a firm believer that the mission work of our denomination for us 
as members of this local church and members of this denomination, our mission work must come first before any other mission organization. And we can think of good missionary organizations that do a good work. But we have those who our denomination has sent out, that our denomination has prayed for, that our denomination seeks to support. And we have a duty before God to support that and to help as God enables us. It is not wrong to give to another mission, another missionary organization, but our focus, our priority, that's what I'm saying, should be us, should be our missionaries who hold to the same truths that we do. That's a priority. There can be exceptions uh, to that, of course, as the Lord leads. Number G, or point G, G is not a number. To promote scriptural and godly worship with special emphasis on prayer, with sound biblical preaching, the right administration of the sacraments, and a proper keeping off uh, the Sabbath. And so that is our purpose, to promote godly worship. This morning in worship, you're not going to come and have a free-for-all. It's not going to be a riot. There's not going to be anything charismatic going on here. The worship has been planned. It has been ordered according to what we believe as a denomination and what we believe Scripture teaches. And so the form of the service this morning will take the form of really what every service here takes. We know what that is. We expect that to take place. And we expect prayer and preaching and the right administration of the sacraments when that happens and keeping the Sabbath. And of course, if you look at the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Sabbath in our own denomination, there's an emphasis upon the importance of the Sabbath, coming to the worship services. We have two services. Why? To help those who associate with us, those who are members, keep the Sabbath. Two opportunities to preach the word of God. Two opportunities to come together and meet with our God. And we encourage attendance at all the services as we worship God together. Point H, to contend earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. We touch on this a little. Uh, we uh, do not encourage error or confusion. We, are, we separate. Uh, we're not isolationists. We're separatists. It's not ourselves alone, but we separate from those who are standing apart from the truth of God. But then we associate ourselves with those who love and hold to the truth of God. Men from other denominations in the past have preached here. So is my understanding. And... Over the years, now and again, I have preached for other churches that are not free Presbyterian, but they are sound and they are true to the faith. We are not isolationists. We are separatists. And we do not fellowship with those who have departed from the faith. If you hear that Andrew Fitton is preaching in a liberal Presbyterian church that is all for the liberal social agendas of this generation, and I'm there, I'm preaching, well, you've made a mistake. It's not me, it's another Andrew Fitton. Uh, because we're separate uh, from those things. And my name is not so common that there's another preacher, Andrew Fitton. Uh, but I know uh, some of our men and uh, their name is shared with others. 
And it's easy to get mixed up sometimes. But there's one Andrew Fitton, as far as I'm aware. But we are separate. We need to remember that. We're not isolationists. Uh, we, number or point I, to stimulate fellowship with Bible-believing men and churches who are separated under the gospel of God. That ties in with what we've just said. J, to surrender the entire work of the ministry to God for the work of the gospel, looking to him to revive his work in this age of apostasy and to maintain the witness of his church unto the glorious personal return of the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we do not engage in this work on our own. We pray, we look to God for God's blessing. We look to God for God's blessing. Moving on, and we have... We have... I think a few things left to consider. We'll move quickly. Our time is going on. Each local church at the presbytery level is levied 10% of its annual income to support missions, the seminary, church planting, and various presbytery initiatives. Presbytery needs money to be able to finance itself. We were at presbytery this week. We heard a financial report. We saw the figures that come in from the various churches, and then that money is budgeted and distributed to the mission work, to the seminary, to various other needs as they arise and therefore our presbytery needs money and as a member of that presbytery is our duty to pay 10 percent i mean some might say it's a tax it's not a tax it's it's we could say it's a gift it's a help to our presbytery in the work that is being done and so as you give to this congregation 10 percent of the annual income of this church goes to support that work. Missions and the seminary and church planting and various other activities used to the glory of God as the Lord provides. Some churches can struggle financially and therefore Presbury can step in and help them and so some of the funding uh, that comes from us may go to help another church through the Presbytery channels. Perhaps a church that has had help in past years has grown and God is blessed and so now instead of receiving help from Presbytery, they can now help Presbytery. And it's encouraging to see that. And in uh, previous years, etc., we have seen that in this denomination. It's encouraging to see. And we pray for churches that can help and sustain themselves and help in uh, that particular work. The Book of Order that I've mentioned is available on the church website. I think it is being updated on the denomination's website, uh, and so it's not available at uh, present, uh, but it is normally uh, there uh, to look at. There's no review of our denomination's history and practical standards. That's online as well. It's called Separate Under the Gospel. I, we have copies here. If there are those who are interested, it covers the following topics that you can see in your notes. Uh, really what we stand for, some of our distinctives. We'll consider our distinctives uh, next week in the will of God. Uh, some of those are important and distinguish us from other denominations. Uh, but then uh, there are a number of things to consider about the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. That's our legal name, the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. Uh, firstly, we are in full membership. Uh, with our uh, denomination and uh, we've explained something of that as we go along. We participate and are involved in Presbytery decisions. Mr. Rusma and myself, uh, we spent the week in North Carolina. Uh, we weren't uh, sightseeing. We weren't having a vacation together. We were at Presbytery meetings. Uh, we spent the mornings 
Tuesday to Friday, is seeking the Lord in prayer, hearing his word preached, praying to the Lord for the work of this church, the work of our denomination and other churches. In the afternoon, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, we had our Presbytery business where we discussed and made decisions about the work of our denomination. Thursday, that business was done. So Thursday afternoon, we had a preaching time and a prayer time. And so we represented this congregation at those meetings because as a church within the denomination, we have as a church the right to be represented at our presbytery. And so Mr. Rusman, myself, on this occasion, uh, represented our presbytery. And that helps the ties between the elders, between the minister, between the churches. It's great to go and see uh, that uh, particular church in Winston-Salem, but also to meet the brethren as well. And some men I haven't met before, and uh, to have fellowship with them. And so we're in full membership. It's a great tie. We're interlinked. We're interconnected. We support each other. And that connection is a blessing. At point two, we are incorporated under the BC Society Act. We report annually after our annual general meeting. And so all the finances from the church being classed as a charity, we, uh, we report that is open and transparent. And so uh, all the monies that are used can be seen. And we do that as a congregation here as well. We uh, have our financial report. Uh, point three is really just about <laughs> the CRA and our business number. Uh, point four, uh, we follow representative government as Presbyterians. Some of these we've touched on already. Elders and deacons are elected uh, to represent the congregation. Uh, congregational meetings are held for office bearers calling a minister to transact other extraordinary business. So if we wanted to build a new building, uh, we have plans, we've got funds. Well, that may come to the congregation and they can see uh, what the idea is and if they support that. Five, we adhere to the confession of faith. We've mentioned that already. Ministers and elders must subscribe to it, uh, whereas deacons and members are not asked to do so. Uh, but all members must understand that the teaching of the church from the pulpit to the Sunday school will reflect what the Westminster Confession of Faith teaches in points of doctrine. Uh, number six deals with uh, requirements for office boroughs. And uh, moving on to number seven, uh, we have separation again. Number eight, the authorised version is the version used in all meetings and ministries of our church. We don't have a mixture of versions. Uh, we intend to stay with the authorised version as well. Uh, but you're not having the King James Version from the pulpit. Then in the Sunday school, they're being taught the, the NIV. And then maybe on our literature that goes out into society, we use the Good News Bible. It's all the same. We use... Uh, the King James Version of the Scriptures. Of course, those who come and worship here, uh, they can use whatever Bible they like. We recommend the authorized version. We recommend sound versions. Uh, but in the ministry of the church, in the reading from the pulpit, in the preaching, uh, whatever is done under the auspices of the church, that would be uh, the King James Version. Point nine, we do not allow people into membership who practice charismatic gifts, such as speaking in tongues. And number 10 is the definition of marriage. Marriage is to be between one man and one woman. And point 11 deals uh, with total abstinence from alcohol. And some of those we'll consider uh, next week regarding our distinctives. Those are things that set us apart. 
Some might raise an eyebrow, some may not be agreed with, um, but uh, these aspects are things, these distinctives are what we believe. And so next week, we'll come and consider some of those distinctives. Uh, we'll consider our position. Uh, we may need two weeks of that. We'll see how far we get. Uh, but we will consider that next week. Let's close in prayer and let us seek the Lord. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy goodness and grace toward us. We thank thee for this church and this denomination. Uh, we thank thee, Father, for establishing this work. We thank thee for brethren who love thee. We thank thee for our churches across this continent. And we pray that thou would continue to enable us to serve thee and to live for thee and to minister for thee as a united body. We pray, Father, thou would bless us here. And may we know thy love and that unity one and another. Bless thy word today as we come to the preaching of thy truth. And bless as we worship thee. May we do so in spirit and in truth to the glory of thy name. We pray. Amen.